0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Monday, April 17th edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, coming up, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was on Wall Street today and made these remarks in a speech at the New York Stock Exchange.
1: Let me be clear,
2: defaulting on our debt is not an option. But neither is a future of higher taxes, higher interest rates. More dependency on China, an economy that doesn't work for working Americans.
0: Obviously, something got lost in the translation from New York to the United States Senate here in D.C. Speaker McCarthy plays a risky and dangerous game when insisting on imposing severe cuts, which
3: would hurt the American people, raise our prices, and threaten our economy before we avoid default.
0: That was Senate fearmonger, I mean, Democratic leader Chuck Schumer earlier today in the Senate. The chairman of the House Republican Study Committee, Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hearn, in a letter to his Republican colleague, said addressing the debt ceiling is the most pressing issue before Congress, and they must work night and day to get it done. Congressman Hearn joins us to explain why. He'll also talk about the obstacles standing in the way of dealing with the debt ceiling. Democrats are already gearing up to make abortion an issue in 2024.
4: This is a critical point in our nation's history. We are seeing around the country, in a myriad of ways, those who would dare to attack fundamental rights and, by extension, attack our democracy.
0: That was Vice President Kamala Harris at the Los Angeles Women's March this past Saturday, so so let me make sure I understand this. Protecting unborn children, protecting unborn children is an attack on democracy. Really? Well, we're going to talk about it a little later. Now, I almost and I emphasize almost wish I drank beer so I could join the boycott of Bud Light.
4: So I had this super clear mandate. It's like we mm-hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. What does Evolve and Elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men.
0: It means lose $6 billion in market capitalization. It means drive away your customers. That was Alicia Heinerscheid, she's vice president of Bud Light. That was uh, her talking before the company decided to mock women by putting a gender confused man, Dylan Mulvaney, on a beer can. They obviously were drinking their own product when they made that decision. We're going to talk about that later. And speaking of being intoxicated, policymakers in Washington state and Oregon appear to be drunk on their own power. Passing measures that keep parents in the dark about their children's gender transitions. FRC's Meg Kilgannon joins me for that conversation. Now, stand by. Before I play this next clip, I want you to consider the source. This is Don Lemon on CNN's This Morning, last Friday, with the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, trying to dismiss in advance the Republican field hearing on crime in New York City. How concerned are you about this perception that cities like New York are dangerous? Well, we should be clear that New York City is the, the safest big city in America. Hmm. Well, Congressman Nathaniel Morin, a member of the committee who was in New York for the hearing, joins me a little bit later here on Washington Watch to discuss what they found at their hearing in the Big Apple. Hey, mark your calendars. We've got some upcoming events. Thursday, May the 4th, FRC will be broadcasting a special National Day of Prayer event at our new Faith and Freedom Chapel in Baton Rouge. In fact, you can join us there if you're in the Baton Rouge area. To find out how, go to TonyPerkins.com. And also, make plans now to join us for the 2023 Stand Summit here in Washington, D.C., September the 15th through the 17th. To register and to find out more information, go to PrayVoteStand.org. Our word for today comes from Ezekiel 36, verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations. Now, here's something we need to understand it's not about us, it's about the glory of God and the elevation of his name. Yes, God loves us, but it's not about us, it is about him, God's reputation. God's name suffers because of our sin, which happens when we make ourselves the center of our lives and not God. If we want to see God move in our day, we must begin praying and living for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be glorified. And we don't need to hide the name of Jesus because it's controversial. We need to lift it high. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. With the federal government expected to hit the debt ceiling possibly as early as June, House Republicans want to pass a strong debt limit bill before the end of April. But what is the path forward with President Biden and Democrats refusing to negotiate? Well, joining me now to discuss this and much more is Congressman Kevin Hearn. He serves on the House Ways and Means Committee, and he's also the chairman of the Republican Study Committee. He represents Oklahoma's first congressional district. Congressman Hearn, welcome back to the program.
3: Tony, it's so good to be with you.
0: Now, you have urged Republicans in the House to pass a strong debt limit bill this month. You said we got to work night and day to get this done. Tell us why.
3: Well, the American people uh, want to see us do what they elected us to do in November, which is lead on this issue. Uh, the Democrats and their spending, especially the last Omni bill that they passed in the last fall, created the debt crisis that we've seen now since January 19th when Secretary Yellen announced this. And I put out a letter and said every big spending uh, change has, has occurred when we've had a debt limit uh, debate. And so here we are. Uh, we've had now some 87, 88 days to talk, and we've gathered a lot of information from our members. The leadership has done a great job of listening to all voices. Now is the time to put together a bill, get it on the floor and vote on it next week. Because what's going to happen uh, if we don't? Uh, certainly, what we're seeing right now is in the Senate, we're seeing uh, the the criteria leak out, and now we're even having Republican senators push back on things such as work requirements without even fully understanding what's in the, going to be in the potential bill going forward.
0: Is it a problem that the the White House is saying, "Look, I don't. We're not going to negotiate on this. We want a clean debt ceiling." I mean, I mean. Should there not be conversations going on about a way forward here?
3: Well, when you've been the uh, the author of some $10 trillion in spending, that's caused the inflation that every American is feeling now, higher energy costs for your home, higher fuel for your cars, higher food prices. We're now starting to see the economy have layoffs. Uh, The interest rates are still high and going higher. This president has lost touch with reality. And quite frankly, uh, he has said one thing and done the other so many times, including just recently the crime bill that passed the House, a Republican crime bill, um, that he said he would never support, and he did. Uh, you know, the president needs to see a debt limit deal put on the floor, get it voted on by 218 Republicans and sit in the Senate and have the Democrats tell the American people, why they want to continue to spend and jeopardize the future of their kids and grandkids.
0: I I want to talk in just a moment about what is going to be in that debt ceiling bill in terms of the the tradeoffs here. But first, you made reference to the inflation. Inflation is now at 5 percent. The president, the White House spending that saying, hey, it's a good thing. We're down to 5 percent. In fact, taking credit uh, for the last nine months of decline. uh, What's the real story here?
3: Well, again, they just have lost touch with reality. There's other things that are going on right now. The policies they've done, such as taking away our ability to be energy dominant when we had prices at the pump uh, below you know, seventy nine, dollar eighty nine for a number of years under President Trump to now where our average prices are up about $3.50, $4, again, going upwards since the announcement by Saudi Arabia to curtail production. This is the same old story that we saw prior to the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act, prior to Donald Trump where we saw things that uh, where the Middle East could control our energy costs, uh, they drove at the price to the pump. Uh, many Americans have limited income and driving back and forth to work, taking their kids to school is a very significant part of this. And the president needs to understand they can't destroy the American economy for some left wing ideology that we're going to somehow get rid of combustion engines in this country. And so this is all part of his grand plan or certainly whoever's running his his, uh, media outlets, his propaganda machine to destroy fossil fuels, which are so instrumental in great paying jobs in America.
0: So let's go to the debt ceiling bill. What what can we anticipate being in there in terms of The restraining, pulling back on government spending, of course, as soon as that word comes out, you've got Chuck Schumer over in the Senate and the White House saying, oh, Republicans are going to cut Medicare. They're going to uh, to cut Social Security, even though you've said a multitude of times that's not going to happen.
3: No, and, and the, certainly the Social Security and Medicare conversation are not part of the debt limit. Work requirements are something that President Bill Clinton, a Democrat, did not back in 1996. It's restoring those work requirements that were so effective in having budget surpluses for four years in a row leading up to the, uh, the technology bubble that we had in 2001, certainly out of control of, of that particular bill. But also we, in the bill, what we have is uh, we, we actually borrowed an idea from Joe Manchin, a, a Democrat senator, where we're talking about rolling back spending to 2022, uh, looking at the, sort of the pre-COVID numbers, capping that, and then allowing it to grow at 1% a year uh, for 10 years. These are all part of that. Uh, as I just mentioned about the energy uh, dominance, you know, we're seeing the Biden White House actually open up pipelines now because they're getting... Uh, the picture that they can t- t- continue to do stuff just on wind and solar. So that's part of the plan as well. Uh, and then issues making sure that only Americans can get the child tax credit, not not illegal immigrants that are coming into this country. So these are all part of the conversations that are going on right now that I think are getting us closer and closer to a bill that we could vote on you know as soon as next week.
0: So, Congressman Hearn, as you describe it there, if we're to roll back the the federal budget, which ballooned during COVID, and just have uh, you know a cap where it only grows one percent a year, that could actually get us on a path of balancing the budget.
3: Well, certainly, uh, you mentioned RSC chair. I had Fed Chairman Powell as our guest uh, two weeks ago for our, our weekly lunch, and you know he mentioned that you know one of the most responsible things that Congress could do is to get our growth in spending to match our growth in revenues. At least we would. As a percentage of revenues, we would would stabilize the deficits that we're seeing annually and start getting our arms around the debt as we go forward. And and it's just it's no different than what the American people have to do every single day. Uh, People in Washington want to try to make it more complicated so they seem like they're the smartest people in the room. But the reality is it's just sitting down at the table, having a bipartisan approach to solving the problems of the future. Uh, we have more revenues coming in as a, as a tax revenues coming in than we've ever had in the history of this country. But we're spending about four times faster than where our revenue growth is. And we've got to get that back in line.
0: Uh, we're almost up against a break. And, and I know you're going to stick with us. We're going to have uh, some conversation on some other topics on the side of uh, the break. But very quickly, uh, there was some discussion early on about maybe a rolling back of all of these new IRS agents and new spending for the IRS. Is that going to make its way into this bill?
3: I think uh, some of that will certainly the IRA credits, where we're going and completely destroying the fossil fuel industry. That's also included in the HR1. So that gets in there. That's going to have some of that rollback. Uh, where we're talking about uh, just handing out cash to people to go out and start up businesses, uh, that would be part of the rollback, getting us back to where we reset the economy, uh, take our hand off the scale of trying to destroy our fossil fuel industry. Um, and so those are all part of it. The American people are very concerned with going on with the IRS and certainly looking at what aspects of that we can roll back that haven't already been funded.
0: They're very concerned about how the, their own government is being weaponized against them, and there's no place that that's more acute than the IRS. Congressman uh, Kevin Hearn, my guess, he's going to stick around. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the vice president. She was in Los Angeles over the weekend saying efforts to protect human life our attacks on our democracy. Now, this clearly is going to be an issue in the 2024 election, and Republicans have to get a handle on how to talk about protecting human life. For nearly four decades, they championed this issue, and then all of a sudden, they lost their voice. But we're going to help them get it back. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break.
1: begins as an idea. Before there can be acts of courage, there must be the belief that some things are worth sacrificing for. Before there can be marriage, there is the idea that man should not be alone. Before there was freedom, there was the idea that individuals are created equal. It's true that all ideas have consequences, but we're less aware that all consequences are the fruit of ideas. Before there was murder, there was hate. Before there was a Holocaust, there was the belief by some people that other people are undesirable. Our beliefs determine our behavior, and our beliefs about life's biggest questions determine our worldview. Where did I come from? Who decides what is right and wrong? What happens when I die? Our answers to these questions explain why people see the world so differently. Debates about abortion are really disagreements about where life gets its value, Debates over sexuality and gender and marriage are really disagreements about whether the rules are made by us or for us. What we think of as political debates are often much more than that. They're disagreements about the purpose of our lives and the source of truth. As Christians, our goal must be to think biblically about everything. Our goal is to help you see beyond red and blue, left and right, to see the battle of ideas at the root of it all. Our goal is to equip Christians with a biblical worldview and help them advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square. Cultural renewal doesn't begin with campaigns and elections. It begins with individuals turning from lies to truth. But that won't happen if people can't recognize a lie and don't believe truth exists. We want to help you see the spiritual war behind the political war. The truth claims behind the press release in the forest and the trees. This
0: is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. And the website's TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. In fact, uh, information about the May 4th event, the National Day of Prayer event, you can find that at TonyPerkins.com. Well, last year's Supreme Court decision on the Dobbs case marked a major milestone in the fight to protect human life. Events in the last few weeks and months have made it clear that the battle is raging and we cannot let up. And we cannot be silent about it either, especially with the other side intensifying their efforts, thinking they have the upper hand. Well, carrying over from the break to discuss this in more is Congressman Kevin Hearn. He serves as he serves on the House Ways and Means Committee and is also the chairman of the largest conservative caucus, which is the Republican Study Committee. He represents the first district of Oklahoma, which is where I grew up. Congressman Hearn, thanks for sticking around. Yeah, Tony. First, uh, I want to get your reaction to the court battle over the abortion pill that has been unfolding.
3: Yeah, Tony, I, I think there's a lot of issues going on there. My personal opinion is, is the chemical abortions, uh, the abortion pill, is a dangerous, uh, you know, so- solution for what you know some of the pro-choice people want to say for the last 20 years. And we have the judge rule in uh, Texas and then overruled in Washington. Now we have the Justice Alito saying that uh, he's staying the, the the Texas decision until the whole court can hear it. But you know it's it's pretty sad when you see uh the Vice President you know saying that when you want to protect life uh that we're extremists. Uh, I think you start out your show talking about that somehow protecting a baby to be born uh, and giving a chance at life and to experience the glories of God in this world that that's an extreme position. I'll tell you what's an extreme position, and that's abortion on demand, partial birth birth abortions. Uh, even as, as heinous as it sounds, which is it's, it's actually factual, is allowing babies to be born alive and then allowed to die just because they uh, were blessed by God to be born uh, after a, a, bo- a botched abortion. And then when you see what all this has to do with what's going on here, that that's what's extreme. Right. And I'll tell you. I'll tell you how you prove that, Tony. And we put a bill on the floor in January uh, on the Born Alive a, uh, issue, a bill. Only one Democrat supported uh, abolishing that opportunity. I, I was going to
0: ask you about that. that, that they had a clear vote, vote. Only one member of the Democratic Party voted for that bill. And all that does is says if a child survives an abortion and is born alive, that you would give medical care to that child. I mean, that that is extreme. That is extremely extreme. I want to play this clip so people don't think we're putting words in the vice president's mouth. Play clip number seven again.
4: This is a critical point in our nation's history. We are seeing around the country, in a myriad of ways, those who would dare to attack fundamental rights and, by extension, attack our democracy.
0: So for you and I wanting to protect unborn children they're now claiming that is an attack on our democracy that that's that's radical incendiary speech if you ask me
3: it is tony and what you're seeing right now with this woke agenda um, is insane uh, you know during the FDA's last approval you can now get the mifepristone through through the mail uh Congresswoman Harshberger is pushed back on the FDA. I, I've got a bill out there that says they can no longer use a pandemic or a public health emergency to do this again. Uh, you know, completely removing the opportunity or the necessity of a woman actually talking to somebody who can prescribe uh, the abortion pill. Uh, you know, these are all part of this woke agenda. They just want to do everything they can. To destroy the future lives of the God's precious gift, and this is totally insane. That is extreme. Uh, we're going to continue to push back. You know, we're seeing state legislatures across the country, like Oklahoma and others, that are. You know, doing their own abortion laws, I think that's where it should be done, yeah. and that's where it's being done across America.
0: Yeah, and, and and it's doing, and it's happening, and that's what they're upset about. In fact, I want to play a clip from uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin. She was on NBC Meet the Press this weekend commenting on the Texas ruling, and, uh, I mean, don't laugh when you hear this uh, clip, because, well, I'll play the clip, then I'll comment. Clip number 10.
5: Look, what we have in Texas is... Uh, a judge who was not guided by science, uh, but is part of a uh, extreme Republican uh, uh, concerted effort to uh, ban abortion nationwide.
0: Uh, this coming from the party that can't determine male from female, uh, the, the, the party of anti-science now s- is claiming that this judge somehow is not being guided by science.
3: Yeah, I I don't have any words. Uh, it's really pretty sad. You know, I, I think what you're seeing with this judge is respecting uh, God's creation, and that uh, you know I, again, when you talk about follow the science, we know that a child's uh, heartbeat can be heard very early. Uh, certainly, again, going back to what I said earlier, the Democrats are okay with a child from a botched abortion being left to die after being born. I've been privileged to hear the stories of so many across the country of of these particular situations. And I I just, you know, obviously these doctors are unknown, but I just want to reach out and say thank you. Uh, Just praise God that these doctors uh, took care of these children uh, at birth and they've grown up to tell the story. And I think that's what has to continue to happen is to tell the stories. You know, if you think about it, extreme uh, since 1973, up until Dobbs' decision last year, some 70 million Babies aborted in in the forty nine years. That's extreme. Uh, those are faces of, of children uh, that uh, we'll never see. Uh, there'll be one place they'll be seen, and that will be in heaven. And for those uh, those parents, those people that are out there. Uh, they will have a voice that will be so powerful that uh, we'll all see that glory someday. Congressman,
0: as you are doing on Capitol Hill, advancing this issue, this is not the time for conservatives, for Republicans to lose their voice on life. For four decades, the, the Republicans primarily have championed the unborn. And I believe it was a part of getting us to the point of dobs. Now's not the time to go silent, is it?
3: It isn't. You know, I think everybody's having to reposition a little bit to see how they support the states uh, as they're out there working across the country to to fill in the patchwork of those states that have uh, not come yet to a position of of recognizing what we need to do with the abortion laws in America. Uh, It'll be on the ballot, I'm certain, as we go into next year, as we go into this election season. And Americans need to know that Republicans are standing strong on behalf of pro-life movements across America.
0: All right, Congressman Kevin Hearn, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us today.
3: Great to see you, Tony.
0: All right, folks, stick with us, because coming up, we're going to talk about the, (laughs) yes, the blow up over uh, Bud Light's promotion of transgenderism. I don't know what they were expecting. I guess they thought maybe Joe Sixpack would like it. What does this reveal about how Americans are rejecting the woke agenda? We're going to talk about that next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away.
5: All of us are born with the desire to find truth and meaning. Where did I come from? What happens when I die? While our answers to these questions may divide us, We are united in our need for the freedom to answer life's biggest questions and make life's biggest decisions for ourselves. That's why religious freedom matters for everyone. Religious freedom matters because the powerful have long wanted to control those who are less powerful. Religious freedom matters because the freedom of those who are different is often threatened by those who believe different is dangerous. Leah Sheribu, a Christian teenager in Nigeria, remains a captive of Boko Haram for her refusal to renounce her Christian faith. Chinese pastor Wang Yi is serving a nine-year sentence for speaking publicly against the Chinese government. All of this because people in power decided different is dangerous. At the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council. We promote religious freedom for everyone because the only alternative is religious freedom for no one. We encourage Americans and the American government to engage and advocate for the persecuted and they do. We work every day to bring good news to the afflicted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. We do it because that's what Jesus does. We work to give freedom to others because we ourselves have been set free.
0: to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday. I want to thank Jody Heiss for filling in for me last week. I've been uh, traveling. I was uh, doing some uh, planning and then also spoke over the weekend at the RNC gathering in um, Nashville. And then I was over at the Cove speaking with uh, Financial Issues, their retreat. So back in D.C. now and uh, actually still be on the road later this week. But for now, here we are. And over the weekend, kind of been tracking what's been happening with um, Bud Light. Now, not a topic you would expect to hear on Washington Watch, but I think this is um, somewhat indicative of where corporate America is going. The chief executive of the, the brewing company that owns Budweiser beer brand issued an apology of, of sorts. It was more like an intoxicated word salad over the weekend. And in his uh, kind of statement, anheuser CEO uh, Brendan Whitworth posted on Twitter that, quote, we never intended to be a part of a discussion that divides people. We are in the business of bringing people together over a beer. Okay, well, if that were committed, if if they were committed to doing that, they wouldn't be facing the backlash they have been facing since making trans identifying uh, Mulvaney, Dylan Mulvaney, who is gender confused, their poster boy. Or in their mind, poster girl. I don't know which it is. It's just weird. Well, here with me now in studio to talk about this and more is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Fan Family Research Council. Uh, Meg, not a topic we thought we'd be talking about beer, but uh, I was thinking you know, maybe I should call on all the Baptists to boycott uh, Budweiser. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but this really shows how corporate America is out of step. They've lost $6 billion in market capitalization as a result of this. I'm hearing reports where bars are turning back um, truckloads of of Bud Light. I mean, this is quite revealing.
6: Well, it is quite revealing. And I'm not a beer drinker myself, but I know that it's a huge industry in America it involves distributors, it involves people that sell it directly to the consumer, whether that's a grocery store or your local bar, bartender, then the distributors that get the beer to those places, and then the, you know, the corporation itself. So the ramifications of some a problem like this are felt deep and wide, and that's why you saw, I think, the response from the the top of the corporation so yeah. quickly. Because when you have people turning back truckloads of beer and major um, country music singers, xing Bud Light out of their uh, their entertainment contracts, that's right. going to start hurting.
0: Yeah, and I'm, you know, the, the uh, I don't know the CEO, but. Uh, Brendan Whitworth is a Marine veteran, apparently worked with the CIA. You know, I always want to take care of my Marine brothers. But you know what? He uh, he obviously needs to fire somebody. I'm going to play this clip again of the uh, vice president of the uh, of, of Bud Light. Let's see. Get her name here. Uh, Alicia Hinder She made this comment. This was before the rolling out of this is back in uh, in March. Play clip number nine.
4: So I had this super clear mandate. It's like we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. What does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Light,
6: bright, and different—really? Yeah, I mean, I'm—I'm mean, I'm old enough to remember the iconic campaigns that Bud Light has done over the years. Here comes the Bud, This Bud's for you. Those commercials at Christmas time with the beautiful horses and the jingle bells. I mean,
0: so now we have transgenders on cans it, that mock women.
6: They were—they were award-winning, and now we get this. And by the way, just a little note. Um, I, I don't want to buy Bud Light now. If you're trying to get my business, yeah. I, I'm well, not I, interested in buying it because Dylan Mulvaney told me to.
0: Obviously, I'm not going to be calling for a boycott because nobody, you know, very few people, I'm sure, to listen to this program would drink uh, Bud Light beer. But the, the point here is how corporate America has become intoxicated with this woke agenda. But, but when you see things like this, it could be a wake up call. I mean, Again, six billion dollars in market capitalization—that that's a pretty big drop.
6: It it impacts it impacts the Anheuser Busch Corporation and the all the other corporations see this happening, so they have to take. That. So it,
0: and it's happening elsewhere. I mean, Disney's experienced this, and so I, I don't. Will corporate America wake up and quit marching to the beat of the leftist drum?
6: Well, I don't know about that, but I sure I sure hope so. I mean, it, it's. It, it, they won't do it until we make it hard on their bottom line. Right. Uh-huh. And if we, we don't continue this pressure, uh, then, you know, it's it's difficult. We we on the right tend to be um, more concerned with normal everyday matters of life. Right. And, and we're not overly political in terms of buying and selling things based on people's political views. We just want right. to exist. Right. So it's not usually sustained very
0: long. All right. I I probably have this analogy probably doesn't work kind of backwards. But in this case, it would be good for people to fall off the Anheuser wagon, the (laughs) Budweiser wagon. All right. Stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some policymakers in Washington state and Oregon. Same agenda, this transgender agenda. They want to keep parents in the dark. Now, this is where we're seeing a direct conflict in the state. Some states moving forward, over a dozen states that are protecting the rights of parents and children, protecting them from this transgender agenda. And now you have states aggressively pushing this agenda and pushing parents out of the way. Meg sticks around to talk about this next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. It begins here, and here, and here, every day. Before you stand, you need solid ground. Standing in a culture that wants you to surrender the truth won't work unless you have a firm foundation. At Family Research Council, we have that firm foundation, and you can find us standing. We stand for the value of all human life. We stand for the right of families to flourish, and every day we stand for your freedom to believe and to live out those beliefs both at home and abroad. We work with government officials, educating them on the issues from a biblical worldview, and when necessary, we hold them accountable. We equip Christians across America to be informed and to take action in their communities. With our daily radio program, television appearances, and vast online presence, we reach people where they are. We envision an America where all human life is valued, families flourish, and religious liberty thrives. And that won't be realized if we're not standing. Stand for faith. Stand for family. Stand for freedom. Stand with us at FRC. I'm often asked by people, Tony, how do you stay encouraged? How do you deal with all of the stuff in Washington, D.C., the negative policies that are attacking our faith, our family, and our freedoms? Well, you want me to let you in on the secret? It's called the Word of God. And that is why the Family Research Council embarked on Stand on the Word, a two-year journey through the Bible. It's a chronological Bible reading plan with just 10 to 15 minutes a day. In two years, you will have covered the entire Bible. And to go along with this, Monday through Friday, I do a morning devotional that goes along with the reading of the day. It's all designed to encourage you on this journey because the Word of God, as the psalmist said, in my affliction, here's my comfort. Your word gives me life. That is our source of strength. To find out more, go to tonyperkins.com or frc.org slash Bible. And I invite you to join me every morning for our Stand on the Word Bible devotion.
3: This fall, believers from across America will gather in our nation's capital. We'll hear from government leaders, policy experts, and leading Christian voices, learning how we can engage in government at every level from local school boards to state legislatures to Congress and even the White House to win back the soul of our nation. Join with us for the Pray Vote Stand Summit. Believe and engage September 15th through 17th. Register now at PrayVoteStand.org.
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. By the way, this week coming up uh, here in Washington, the uh, protection of women's Sports, Women's and Girls in Sports Act, uh, H.R. 734, uh, will be voted on. And so y- y- we need to let the House members know this is important. And it's been spreading across the country, but this it's good to see what's happening here, to take a stand against this crazy agenda being pushed by the left. So if you'd like to sign that petition, text the word SPORTS, that's sports, plural, sports to six, seven, seven, four, two. That's six, seven, seven, four, two. And that'll help you uh, find out how to contact your member of Congress and urge them to vote for the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. Now, that, Meg, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, Republicans have been uh, working to protect not only women's sports, but also parents, the rights of parents when it comes to up, to, you know, bringing up their children and protecting them. But at the same time, Democrats have been working to usurp the role of parents. We we wouldn't do this on any other thing. But when it comes to abortion and this sexual confusion and transgenderism, we are just completely trampling upon the child-parent relationship. What's happening in Washington right. State and Oregon?
6: Well, there are two bills there that are really egregious. In Washington State, they've passed a bill that involves um, uh, homeless shelters for youth. And normally, if a, if a child enters a homeless shelter, the homeless shelter checks and rechecks the missing persons reports so that they can notify the parents when the parents report the missing so that they you know can reunite the family. But if the child needs, according to them, reproductive services, reproductive health care or gender affirming health care, regardless of age, the phrases go regardless of age, then they will not report the parent to the parents that they, are, they have the child. So this is just— So who an, makes the decision? An ex, this is an extremely dangerous bill. Um, and so, you know, I, the, the people that are running uh, shelter, homeless shelters in Washington State, I wonder if anyone's asked them how they feel about it because— I'm not sure if I was working in one of those places that I would be comfortable not telling parents where their children were.
0: So some bureaucrat is going to make the decision as to whether a minor child who is being blocked, their parent is being blocked from being able to communicate for them and know what's going on with them. A bureaucrat somewhere totally disconnected from the child is going to make a decision that is irreversible.
6: Correct. Correct. And the same... The same sort of of, uh, mindset is, of course, similar in Oregon, where they have a bill there that is um, protecting, um, protecting in quotation marks, right, um, the the child from having themselves outed to their parents over any kind of reproductive health care, which is code for abortion and contraception or gender affirming services, the same kind of thing slightly different wrinkle. This the the bill in Oregon is following what we, we call the WISC model, which is whole schools, whole child, whole community. And it is essentially putting healthcare delivery services into school settings or into homeless shelters or places where parents are separated from their children and delivering health care services, in quotation marks, again. These are, you know, it's not like they're putting a Band-Aid on a a skinned knee. You know, they're doing, these are medical interventions that are irreversible.
0: Well, and I go back to what we have been working on in states like Arkansas and elsewhere that have passed protections. This is experimental. Right. We don't know the long-term, I said we, the health community does not know the long-term repercussions of the use of these drugs, because this is not what they were designed for, as well as the experimental surgeries. Now, uh, very quickly, I want to juxtapose this to what's happening in in Texas, because it really comes down to elections. And we really see a major divide taking place in this country. And it goes, you can call it red and blue. You can call it left right. um, I call it truth, deception. I mean, you can call it what you want, right. but it's clear that the people determine what it is with their votes.
6: Yes. And there are school board elections coming up in Texas. Early voting starts April 19th. Um, the in-person vote is on May 6th, but we would we would encourage people to check out iVoterGuide, iVoterGuide.com. They have uh, voter guides for these areas of Texas that have races, and um, you can see who your candidates are how they lean, whether they lean conservative or lean liberal, and make a decision and then vote early so you can get, take some other people to yeah. the polls on Election Day because we really have to make sure that parents' voices are heard.
0: And, and, and we've seen the difference that makes yes. over the last year as we've, we've actually trained people to run for the school board, and that information is still available at frcaction.org. Links to the iVoter Guide as well uh, are there. It, it really comes down to our engagement, being informed and being engaged, caring enough to get involved.
6: Protecting the vulnerable.
0: Yeah. Meg Kilgannon, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping in today. Thank you. All right. Well, folks, be sure and check that out. Go to FRCaction.org. If you're in Texas, get the I Voter Guide. And uh, by all means, get involved. Our votes matter. Well, earlier today, the House Judiciary Committee held a hearing in New York City to offer those affected by violent crime in the Rotten Apple a chance to tell their stories and discuss whether the policies of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg are worsening crime in their city. Well, join me now to share his thoughts on the hearing is Congressman Nathaniel Moran, who serves on three House committees, including the Judiciary Committee. He has also had his own civil law practice for the last two decades. He serves... As the representative for the first congressional district of the Lone Star State, Congressman Moran, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure
2: to be with you again.
0: So, can you uh, share with our audience what came out of today's hearing?
2: Sure. You know, it was it was quite the fireworks during the hearing today, and I'm so glad that we did this in Manhattan because it's not just about uh, New York City. It's really about the leftist social policies across the country and all of the big cities that uh, are driving our law enforcement to seek other careers that are supporting criminals rather than victims, uh, that are taking us down a path that is not the path that supports the rule of law.
0: Anything that you discovered today? I mean, I know you've been tracking this and been watching it, but I mean, there's a reason to go there, be present, listen to people's stories. Anything that uh, you discovered that was new there today?
2: Now, i tell you what was astounding to me as I listened to the testimony. When you look at how Alvin Bragg is running the Manhattan DA's office, uh, it is amazing that there has not been an uprising by the citizens there in Manhattan because he's taken, when you look at 2019 versus 2022, he's taken felonies that are committed. He's charging 35% less felonies across the board. And then... Uh, What's left over out of that bucket, he's reducing about half of those to misdemeanors. But what was most astounding to me is when you look at the conviction rates, 2019 conviction rates for both misdemeanors and felonies was about 68% for the Manhattan DA's office. When you look at the statistics now, for misdemeanors, the conviction rate is 29%. For felonies, it's just above 50%. That means one out of every two cases that even get to trial, he's unsuccessful at. Now, what that tells you is if you start from the very beginning to the end, about one in six, one in seven people that commit a felony is actually going to be convicted of that felony at the end of the day. And that's astounding.
0: Uh, Congressman, I played this clip earlier uh, in the program. On Friday, New York City Mayor Eric Adams was on CNN uh, this morning with Don Lemon uh, trying to, I think, um, you know, cut the Republicans off at the pass talking about this hearing today. I'm going to play this clip and get you uh, to respond to it. Uh, clip number uh, 10, please.
2: How concerned are you about this perception that cities like New York are
0: dangerous? Well, we should be clear that New York City is the the safest big city in America. Uh, Congressman, a- am I missing something?
2: Uh, yeah, I think we're all missing something. That's like saying you won the loser's bracket in a tournament. Uh, and when you're comparing yourself, again, against all of these democratically run cities across the nation, even if you're going to suggest that New York City is the safest of the largest cities, that's like saying, well, we're, we're the safest of the most unsafe cities in America, because that's exactly what's going on. From Philadelphia to Chicago, even in my home state, where you see it in Houston and Austin, where leftist policies, where you're looking more at social justice rather than actual justice, you're looking at all these, uh, uh, these social agendas from the left. Instead of supporting our law enforcement, it's creating a, a crime epidemic. And it's a result of of them simply ignoring the victims and saying, "We're, we're going to protect the criminals.
0: What's it going to take for the citizens to say, you know what, enough of this George Soros funded type of justice that is letting the criminals go free and politicizing the judiciary system like we see there in New York with, you know, letting all the criminals go that are killing people, but then use that as a platform to go after their political uh, opponents.
2: Tony, it's going to take more of the voices of the mothers uh, that we heard from today during the hearing. There were some mothers there today and some uh, wives and, and individuals that have been harmed by these crimes, one of which spoke out ardently about the fact that she had left the Democratic Party as a result of this, that she could never get a call back from Alvin Bragg on her uh, the case of her son that was murdered. And as a result of that, having seen the process run by the Democrats, she said, I can no longer associate myself with these Democratic uh, policies and the party itself because they've turned their back on me. And I think you're going to see more and more of that across America where you know, at some point when you're in Chicago or New York City and you got the city and the county and the state all run by Democrats, you can no longer blame Republicans. You can no longer blame uh, guns for this. That happened today quite a bit, too. The Democrats really only focused on two things, and that was Donald Trump and and try to get more gun control. But at the end of the day, they had to admit and the witnesses had to admit that when it came to the guns that were involved in the crimes in New York City, these were guns in the hands of criminals. They were already breaking gun laws. And when they say, well, we want more gun laws on the books, well, the gun laws on the, on the books now need to be enforced by the Manhattan DA before he asks for more. If he won't enforce those currently on the books, there doesn't need to be any more restriction.
0: I want to go to the issue of uh, the district attorney there uh, filing a lawsuit against House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan and his claim of quote transparent campaign, a transparent campaign to intimidate and to attack his office's case against former President Donald Trump. Now. I—when I was in the legislature, we—back in, in, in Louisiana, we went out into the field. I think it's a very productive use of the time, because there's a lot of people you heard from today would never make their way to Washington, D.C. You usually have the professionals here that are seeing you. You hear from the real people. I think this is a great idea for the committees to get out and go into the communities that are affected by this. But we see now the D.A., politicizing this as uh, the, the chairman has taken this into New York. what? How do you respond to that?
2: Well, of course, that's what they want to do is to say we're politicizing this because they don't want to deal with the substance of the matters at hand. It was very, very poignant to hear those uh, victims' testimonies today in their city. And you're right. Most of them couldn't or wouldn't travel to Washington, D.C. to tell that story. The other thing that came up today was the crowd that was there behind the witnesses in between the press and the witnesses. There was a a large crowd and there was no doubt they were there to let Alvin Bragg know they were not happy about how he's uh, bringing about law and order in Manhattan. They were not people from Washington, D.C. They were not Republicans. They were citizens of New York City that were sick and tired and frankly fed up of the decisions he'd been making since he got, got into office.
0: Uh, Congressman, final question for you. Where's the committee? uh, Where where are you going next?
2: There's lots of places to go, and I hope we do have some more of these hearings, particularly on uh, support for law enforcement and enforcing the rule of law and standing firm against criminals in this country. Uh, I certainly wouldn't mind if we made a trip down to Houston or Austin. There's lots of stories to tell down there. But let's let's get out in the country and, and do some more of this. It, it's very effective for these stories to be told by the victims of leftist propagandists that really are pushing a political agenda and are not concerned with the victims of crime.
0: I agree with you 100 percent. And I, and it's, it's good to give them a voice. Congressman uh, Moran, thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Always great to see you.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, Tony.
0: All right, Congressman Nathaniel Moran of uh, Texas's first congressional district. You know, he was talking about the issue of guns came up, and I I, I was out last week. And I was thinking about this in Genesis chapter 4 when uh, the Lord spoke to Cain. He said, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? He was angry with his brother Abel. Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And verse eight says, Now when Cain talked with his brother Abel, and it came up and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and he killed him. You notice it doesn't say anything about how he killed him? Was it was it a rock? Was it a knife? You know, it's not the instrument. It's the intent of the heart. God was dealing with his heart, warning him that he needed to rule over himself and his anger. It wasn't about the instrument. And see, that's where we are misguided in the policies of of the left and even some on the right, going after the the, the, the instrument. We need to be working on the hearts. All right, folks, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Always great to have you here at Washington Watch. Be sure and visit TonyBerkins.com resources there for you. And sign the. Uh, find out more how you can t- contact your congressman about the Protect Women and Girls Sports Act to. Just text SPORTS to 67742. Also at TonyPerkins.com, information about our National Day of Prayer event on May the 4th. Until next time, I encourage you with the words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
1: Call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.